Oh, hi, everybody. My name is Bay Logan. Welcome to the Hong Kong Legends DVD release of Gordon Chan's first option. I'm happy, proud, and not a bit, not a little bit relieved to have sitting next to me in the commentary booth, the great Mike Leader. Thank you, and it's great to be back on live radio. Unfortunately, Gordon Chan was tied up on another project. Uh, he was originally scheduled to come in, and then also Michael Wong was tied up on something, and he couldn't come in. So uh, you and me are manfully going to look at this wonderful... Uh, uh, it's kind of a subgenre of a Hong Kong action well, film. I just like to say that we should actually SDU be receiving films. danger money. That's right. The fact that we're in Altaokok, yeah, birthplace of the killer virus that's, according to the media, destroying Hong Kong. You mean Wong Jing? Not that one. Oh, SARS. Okay. Yes. So, but anyway, SARS. Indeed. Uh, hopefully, by the time this DVD's been out on the shelves a few months, <laughs> they'll have actually got rid of that. But it's this, uh, this particularly virulent brand of pneumonia that's uh, killing people off in now, Hong Kong. Now, this movie you. Was a Media Asia production. Indeed, it was. And yeah. you had just started just working for Media Asia at this point. I, I sold the, didn't sell the film, but I sold the T-shirt. We actually had a first option T-shirt. One of my first jobs at uh, at Media Asia was to help design and sell the T-shirt. And I have some at home if you're interested. Ah, candy loan. Ah, uh, sweet, sweet by name, sweet by nature. Our uh, magnificent line producer on uh, the film, formerly known as High Binders, the Medallion. She doesn't like me for some reason. That woman. Uh, she doesn't like white people. But uh, that that being said, I'll actually mention she did do a good job. But Alfred Yao, the art director, that's her boyfriend, Alfred ah, Yao. Martial arts director Bruce Law, even though there's no martial arts. It's odd, isn't it? They always mistranslate that. I mean, really, they mean action director on this movie. Chan Ki Hop, terrific uh, editor who uh, was nominated for Best Editing at the Hong Kong Film Awards for this movie. And uh, he's also editor on The Twins Effect, which we just wrapped. Michael Fitzgerald Wong. And Gigi Leung Wing Cave. Michael Fitzgerald, one man that. Michael, uh, I guess the Fitzgerald half is from his, because he's half Dutch, half. Uh, but Fitzgerald isn't a very Dutch name, is it? But he's Dutch Chinese. So I think the Fitzgerald so. is like a middle name that he sometimes uses. I don't know, it's the same way on um, Black Mask, suddenly Francoise Yip was Francoise right. CJ Yip, because they take your passport name. And right. And as is common in Hong Kong, Gordon Chan, as well as directing, also uh, wrote the script, or co wrote the script with um, Chan Hing Gai, who also wrote A Better Tomorrow. So that's pretty good. Back, a back, pretty good background in terms of doing a Hong Kong street real action uh, movies. Gordon, I think, probably the most prolific and eclectic of uh, Hong Kong filmmakers. He's had hits in virtually every genre. I mean, also, he's coming from... I mean, he, he was a prop man or something at Shaw special Brothers. Special effects guy at Shaw yeah. Brothers. He was in the special effects department. Maybe that's why uh, he himself says he looks like E.T. Now, there's uh, Gigi Leung on the right of the frame there. Who Now, tell us your Gigi Leung story. You used to run yeah, job um, with her, right? Many years ago when I was but a heartbroken fool, uh-huh. um, I, I took up running to try and relieve the pain. Yes. And uh, I'll be running in Kowloon Jai Park, and uh, a very elegant young lady would be running past. Very tall lady. Very tall, very elegant, and much faster than me. Yeah. Um, normally with her father, yeah. and it was Gigi Leung. Oh, really? And then she became uh, Leung Wen Kei, who uh, started off um, as a model doing shooting commercial, TV commercials. She was a student at Polytechnic, Hong Kong Polytechnic, and was kind of snapped up to come and do that kind of work. And then made her debut in Derek Yee's Full Throttle, opposite Andy Lau. And, and the I, great Ching Garlock. Well, I remember what was extraordinary about that first debut performance is that they really didn't make her look like a girl at all. She was no makeup. So they made her look like very, uh, she didn't like the normal uh She's flower a real plain Jane to the rescue. Right, and she was great. And then she was with Tony Leung, Leung Chiwai, in Mac the Knife. But then they also managed to cover in full throttle the fact she's so much taller than Andy Lau. That was quite an accomplishment because she is very tall for a, a Hong Kong Chinese girl. And she became, a, she was initially an actress, and like most of the people who become popular as actresses, actors or actresses, she then became a singer and is now a huge singing star. 
Um, I but prefer acting. Frankly. I don't know. I feel sorry for the fact that she's she's named the airport. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Explain that, Mike. Um, how should I say that in a polite way? Um, she's probably not the, not the bustiest of Hong Kong action stars. And um, as a reward for her slenderness, uh, lack of bustiness, she was n- nominated to be named the airport. The airport, more likely the airport, the landing strip. The landing, right. the runway. The runway, because she's meant, yeah, for that reason. I mean, Hong Kong people, in the press particularly, show no mercy about anybody's physical characteristics. I mean, obviously now um, it's a well-known fact that she's a, an item with uh, Yi Kin Cheng, Cheng Yi Gin, with whom I was working um, till recently on uh, Twins Effect. But uh, she was, um, before that, she was dating another guy, I think, from the regular world, not from show business, and he was just known as that fat guy. And <laughs> That wasn't me, though. It wasn't. No, me. it was another guy. You were just chasing around the park. <laughs> but uh, and this, um, the other, the the guy who's on her team. There's a guy on her team in this. Who's movie. the assistant director always for Gordon? Right. And what's his name? He also. Yeah, yeah no, he's he's in the film later. He co-directed uh, Gary Mack. Gary Mack. Yeah. Also co-directed right. most of Miles Apart. And there's that guy there with the big nose. That's the one. No, no, no that's, that's not Gary. That's another guy. Now this guy. In this, this is one of the few films I've seen, like the fair income kind of films, where he had a proper role, and damned if I could find out his name. But he, he since he became a porno star, a softcore porn actress, huh? actor, somebody told me, yes. And his Who, stage Michael Wong? Name, well, him too. But that guy's name, I'll point him out later. But this is Michael Wong, our <clears throat> leading man. Making quite the entrance as a, as a washed-up drunk crashed his car. It's a cool way to introduce the character. And I, I love this kind of snooty cop, because, I mean, the, the Hong Kong cops are so rude. Compared to their British counterparts. I mean, the scariest thing is his here from the scary thing as well is uh, most people join the Hong Kong police force for the money. It's not out of any wanting to serve their their no, duty. It's absolutely, or, Hong or Kong or police <clears> pay <throat> as well. So <clears throat> to hear people call them "ah sir," perhaps. So there's Michael Wong, our star, Eurasian. His father's Chinese. His mother's Dutch. Now your starter for ten. Where was he born? Uh, Harlem. Shandong. Oh, sorry, I failed that. Which is actually the territory, which is the province of China, where Jackie hails from as well. Jackie Chan is also Maybe Shang, that's why Jackie Shang always Dungies. gives him some respect. So he's not the boxer from Shantung. He's like the, the handsome guy from Shantung. And his brothers, Russell, mm. uh, currently in Black Sash, and right. Declan, former magician, now cinematographer and cameraman. Declan also worked as an actor, isn't he? In he's a in Thief? Once a Thief. He's the card-playing uh, right. assassin. John Woo's, that's John Woo's Once a Thief, not to be confused with the TV series produced w- by John Woo. Which, which Michael Wong <coughs> actually gave probably well. his best acting performances in. Right. Uh, especially in the later episodes where he gets a great reintroduction in a dream sequence where he turns up speaking out of sync because he's a Hong Kong bad guy. Is that right? <clears throat> I didn't see that. Uh, I should go back and look at those TV shows. On Action the, directed on by Paul Rapofsky, who worked with Michael Wong on yeah. Miles Apart. But Mr. Wong was a busy fellow because there's a whole bunch of brothers. There's, have we mentioned Steve is an assistant cameraman, Bradley, a hairstylist, Gregory, a bass guitarist, Declan, we just mentioned, who I believe is a magician as well, right? Yes. And um, we have uh, Michael, who we're looking at now. And uh, the I like the fact that his mask has better eye holes, so you can recognise him more. So you can tell that it's Michael leading the fray. <laughs> nice Gordon Chan touch here, because they're all wearing masks, and we haven't really met the characters yet. We get this kind of overdubbed dialogue when they're on the stairs to kind of give them a sense that these are real people, and that's kind of a smart thing to do with an, uh, a Faith Doi film. Well, I think that's where Gordon succeeded. Where all the other, when like when he did the f- the final option, which yeah. was strangely enough the first Faith Doi movie. Yeah. You know, all the characters were real. Then everyone else just tried to make SDU action movies right. that just failed miserably. Now, the Chinese title of the first one, Final Option, was... Feifu Hoisam. Also starred Michael Wong. It's not, this isn't really a sequel. I mean, that, that film stands on its own, but it was the first film to really introduce the SDU, which is the special duty unit of the Hong Kong Police AKA Force. AKA the Flying Tigers. 
hence the name Fei Fu, which is flying t- literally flying tigers in uh, Chinese. But they're really the equivalent of a SWAT team. What, what in America would be the SWAT team? In fact, they used to SWAT the movie, didn't they? With, the, with uh, Colin, Colin Farrell and Samuel L. Jackson. That's a team. But what's funny is, you think about it, that um, Gordon Chan had previously shown he was a big fan of the SU when he did uh, Stephen Chow's Fight Back School 2, which mm. features probably the best cinematic, exciting version of SDU action right. and features a lot of the supporting cast from the first option and from final option. Well, they have a team, him and Dante, because we use them on Highbinders too. He always uses the same group of guys who've had that same kind of training uh, under the same guy who we'll talk about later, who is uh, Joe Chung. Joe but then I remember when they were filming this, that was one of the bones of contention was that mm. uh, all of the supporting cast had to undergo SDU training. Right. And whereas all the Western actors were actually paid for the week or so they had to do training. The SEAL unit, yeah. The Chinese actors were expected to just... For free. To do it for this free. This guy uh, who's walking with Michael now, his name is Joe Cheng, Cheng Manguang. And he's actually a real-life expert on STU maneuvers, and he's a gun expert. Gun this guy looks like Lo Meng. He's a great character. He's a really good character actor. I mean, you remember him from Double Tap? He had a really good acting role in Double Tap. He's also he's in a hit, a team, hit team, Operation Always Option playing Zero. pretty much the same role. Yeah. yeah. Now, this lady here was... Uh, I, just worked with on um, the movie with twins that was shot on Lama, or not on Lama, Joe Just Dow. one look. Just one look. And she's a really wonderful character actress. And this is actually, the, she's done a lot of TV work. But this is actually the first time that she actually got to do a, uh, a movie, how do I say, you know, where she really got to come out and show her, her acting stripe. And her name is uh, Lei Fong, and uh, her character name is Madame Katie Nan. In the background, there's the producer of the film, Ip Kwong Kim, coming He's in He's in so many movies Gordon's done as yep. an actor. I think his, Hitman. his best role, though, is if um, you watch Inspector Pink Dragon, wonderfully oh, named movie, because he's a, an assassin dressed as a schoolgirl. Oh, yeah. No, I did see that. That's yeah. a great... I don't remember movie. it being him, but if you tell me, yeah, I believe him. you. Okay. And then he was also... Uh, he had another good role in Armageddon. He's like the kind of the, the guy, the computer guy and the computer research guy in Armageddon. But he always works with Gordon as a producer. Well, he was actually... When Gordon was doing um, Highbinders, as was, he was actually... I had a production at EMG for a while. Very smart man. Very good writer. He also co-wrote Fist of Legend. Oh. Okay. So that he's right. Like everybody, he's a multi-hyphenate writer. Now that's producer. Damien Lyle. Ah, he's such a great actor, this guy. I'm such a fan of his. Who started off in the, in the old uh, swordplay movies, not at Shaw Brothers, at Golden Harvest. Uh, Last Hurrah for Chivalry, the great swordplay martial arts movie that John Woo did. Duel to the Death, Zoo Warriors. And then later, of course, he became uh, a really good TV actor. He was in a really cool thriller called Murder. With Doodoo Chang. Which is a great film, isn't and, it? Um, yeah, that, was a, that was a really underrated now, movie. Is that a copy of an American movie or should somebody remake Murder? I so, want to find out. It's, I think someone should remake movie. Murder because it was such a neat film. And there in the background is Wing Chun maestro Stephen Chen. Absolutely. Who has um, been around Chan Tak Wong is his Chinese name. And he was a bona fide martial arts master. But he hardly ever gets to show any martial arts I think arts Crime Story is about the only time. And even then he was more yeah. of a brawler than a fighter. And he was more of a, like a target for Jackie to beat up. In, in that, but he's also played heavies in films like Return Engagement, Crocodile Hunter, Fortune Code, and of which course, are all Andy Lau films. Yeah, and Widow Warriors, which was the That's Hong right. Kong remake of Linda LaPlante's Widows. The unofficial Hong Kong remake. I remember I told uh, uh, Linda about that, and she was like, huh? And uh, this is how I know that uh, the character is called Katie Ann, because it's actually pinned up on the wall there when they move into their, uh, their beautifully blue lit um, command center. That's a here. cool office. 
That's like the old EMG office. Indeed, it is. It may well be. You know what's interesting about uh, the style that Gordon brings to these films? He's such a fan of naturalistic lighting. I think it reached its uh, kind of apotheosis with um, Armageddon. There are some scenes in Armageddon where you just don't know what's going on. It's because he's shooting it with available light. This guy with the broad shoulders at the back of us, he's the guy who became the porno actor. What's his name? Well, uh, Biggest Wang. Well, it ought to be. I, you know what? I searched high now, and low. this is an entrance for the SDU. Absolutely. <laughs> They're kind of quietly making their way into the building. All with their Oakley sunglasses and tight and, camouflage shirts. As I mentioned earlier, this is kind of a recurring cast of guys who are always in uh, these movies, the, the Fei Fudoi films, the SDU films that uh, Gordon has worked on with Dante Lam. Of course, Dante Lam, who was the uh, line producer on this movie and co-directed Beast Cops, the multi-award And you just film. worked with Dante on Indeed, Twins Effect. Twins Effect. He was co-directing with uh, our mutual friend Donnie Yen. And the guy front right of the frame, handsome chap who's in the, the best looking of the of the SDU is Lebon, Lebon Cheng, who's. Uh, I always wonder what his name was. That he's more of a model. He always get yeah. people always get confused between him and Moses. Yeah. So if you want to see him, what he looks like and Moses looks like, look at Mars Apart, the film that Michael directed. They're because both they're in, both in there. So you and a very see. young Jolene Cook there. Where did they get all these cute lady cops? I know because apart from Jolene Cook, who turns up really briefly. And then later on went on to have a career from Hit Team and yes. other movies. I've right. never seen any of them again. No, they all faded away. But they got all these cute little lady cops in there. Maybe they're people's girlfriends, like, hey, get her in there as a cop. So they brought her in. Not that that ever happens, of course. Never. But again, it's interesting. Look at this kind of uh, quite natural lighting because they've got obviously the uh, the table, there, the, the underlit table there. So they're trying to get a certain um, look and style to the film. The, whereas some of the other, like you mentioning earlier, if you look at the lighting and the style of Fight Back to School and the SDU uh, scenes there, it's all very much that kind of day glow, typical Hong Kong action film. But then, style. I mean, I always remember when the final option came out. Yeah, everyone loved the final option, but most people's bone of contention was the action wasn't as good. People right. were like, if you watch Fight Back to School Two, you've got real Hong Kong style yeah. gunplay and everything. Yeah. But when you've got Bruce Law doing the action on both Final Option and this, yeah. he's a much more realistic. So Final Option was actually produced at Golden Harvest and was a decent-sized hit. It kind of brought out... It was Michael Wong's best role it, to that it, point. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it gave him a career again when yeah. he'd gone to the point where he was just making all the Category 3 movies with well, Michael's, Alan Chan. Michael's biggest... Everyone. Had the same problem that people had in the times of, like, Singing in the Rain, that, you know, there's a plot point in Singing in the Rain about the when sound came into movies and lots of the foreign actors who worked in Hollywood, people with German accents or Brooklyn accents, uh, couldn't work anymore. And uh, this is a was the issue that Paul well, Michael had. Someone should remake Singing in the Rain in Hong Kong with Michael in that role and someone dubbing him. Because he did a whole bunch of movies early in his career, like Royal Warriors with Michelle Yeoh, Legacy of Rage with the late Brandon What Lee, was the movie he did Fury. for DMV? Yeah, Fury. Fury. That was the one where he's cool film. Yeah. the action guy with Wayne Lee and Carrie Young. Yep, in the Line Duty 4 with Donnie Yen. Tiger Cage 3 with... Who was the star of Tiger Cage 3? Uh, Ricky Jung, Jung Guat Lung, right. former student of Dick Way, now... Just plays tennis. He wasn't really a martial arts guy, Michael, as such. But he, in a film called Will of Iron, he's doing some of the more Steven Seagal Aikido. Where he fights our man Mark Houghton. Absolutely. And um, so he did all those runner films for DMB, but his voice, even Michael doesn't really speak Cantonese that well, so his voice was dubbed. And then there was a change, I think the sea change in Hong Kong action cinema was Police Story 3, when Jackie came in and said, okay, I'm going to now have I mean, that was voice. The, that's what people, it actually makes me laugh when people complain about the dubbing. Yeah is that until Supercop, mm. Jackie had never used his own voice right. in a Hong Kong movie apart from his American movies. Yeah. And, I mean, 
it's like with Samo. There's the one guy who always used to do Samo's voice. Yeah. And I remember one time me and uh, Ruben Langdon and Samo and this guy had dinner. Yeah. And it was very confusing because... Freaky, isn't it? You Samo's hear... voice was coming from this other guy. From this other guy. And Samo's like a ventriloquist act. But um, so anyway, so Michael, uh, I like this little touch here that they all touch the the kind of the lucky stuffed toy with the, you know, the... Well, it's a support SDU gunk. Thing. You need one of them. a cool, cool little thing. But these are the touches that uh, Gordon and Dante On the mean streets in. of Jordan. Absolutely. And uh, it's a... Um, with uh, these style of films, though, they're like... Uh, they're they're kind of halfway between the stylized, even Better Tomorrow is stylized, or, or something like Hard Boiled is stylized. That guy, yeah, uh, a Ching, one of the right. MoFun. Uh, they Mo, were the the MoFun Mo were the part-time stunt guys who mainly did all the SDU training. Okay, yeah. So he's playing a bad guy in that scene. Yeah. Okay, because uh, most of the guys they've got behind camera in the costumes here are the team that Dante normally uses. And that guy, the left there, being elbowed back, that is uh, Gary Mack who was the first AD on this film. Normally more um, recognisable with his glasses and his baseball Absolutely, cap. yeah. Well, we worked with him. He, uh, a regular member of the uh, Gordon Chan filmmaking family. He was on board with it. Matt Winglong is his, uh, his uh, Chinese name. He also, you see him acting in Beast Cops, and he acted for Dante on Runaway, Dante Lam on Dante Lam's Runaway. And he's also in Hit Team. And he's the first AD on Funeral March up at EMG when Gordon was at EMG. See, Gordon really takes care of his people, myself included. And on our Hong Kong shoot for Highbinders, as was Gary, was on that and he also worked with Michael on Wells on Miles Apart so there seems to be like and a, he now runs his own casting agency yep, as well absolutely he called me the other day about getting a Mandarin speaking guy to go and work in uh, China and uh, if, if, if Mike John if either of you if, yes <laughs> actually I should have called John but if either of you spoke Mandarin we'd have been there but no it was we'll not to be now one thing one plot point here one thing I like about Gordon's approach to doing crime films is whenever he sees, and I've seen him do it, he'll see like a news story in the papers and he'll make a note and he'll want to put it into a film. But the whole thing about this middle-aged woman who's like the ice queen, uh, someone who's dealing in ice. I mean, that was a real ice, thing, right? Indeed, in Canada. And um, this woman who looked like a, a kind of convenience store uh, owner. Like she was running a restaurant or something, but really was like this major international drug king, or kingpin or queenpin. And you'd never believe it if you saw her in a police lineup. You'd never believe that this was uh, somebody responsible for this kind of uh, activity. And Gordon obviously saw that, you know, in the in the press and made it a plot point here. So here we see Michael uh, going into action. Think about Michael Wong. Whatever other shortcomings you might attribute to him, the guy looks great. I mean, he's one of the best-looking guys on the planet. And uh, it's, to me, these, these are the roles that he's really born to Oh, no, play. he's got that great militaristic... Totally, yeah. And, I mean, he's was used. Uh, he's been used in different ways in different films to greater or lesser effectiveness in, 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 during his time in Hong Kong. Um, he's in the very opening of City Hunter with Jackie yep. Chan. He's with Jai Yun-Fat in uh, Treasure Hunt. Farke Siolam. Right. And he's in Thunderbolt, Picnic 4, again yep. with Jackie. Uh, Enter the Eagles with Shannon Lee. And then in Knock Off, he replaced Jet, Jet Li, Lee. of all people. No, I mean, Knock Off was where I actually got to know him a little bit. Right. Because uh, on that, a lot of my friends were working at Jeff Wolf, Mike Miller. Yeah. Everyone. I never really got to know him that well, even though we were uh, I was working at Media Asia at the time. He was under contract. We never really got to know each other. But Maggie's a good friend of his because they did now, see, Manhattan Midnight. If you don't mind me interrupting. That's yeah, funny. Uh, just now, Michael Wong swears. Yeah. That's not his four-letter word. But the subtitles are just a very casual damn. Now, would you perhaps like to explain why often when there is swearing, even in English, it's subtitled yeah. differently? Do you remember the film Zoolander? when um, they're going to get that guy, Derek Zoolander, to kill the Prime Minister of Malaysia. When, that, when I saw that in the theatre, I got out of my seat and cheered 
People complained about being unfair to Malaysia. The reason they do it, the Malaysian market is very sensitive about swearing or any vigilanteism uh, right, or, or any any uh, particularly any bad language or anything that might offend their particularly unique society and and, and their very conservative worldview. And to me, we're a filmmaking capital for the world. And Malaysia is a tiny market. Like 30 people in Malaysia go and see a movie. But, and two of them are cows. But so many Hong Kong movies above the law, Tiger yeah. Cage 2, right. etc. Reshot reshoots for that market. Because you can't show vigilantism or someone getting away with murder. All the way through Gen X cops and Gen Y cops, I was getting told, uh, don't say this, don't say that, ah, don't do that. The I Malaysians think the were... funniest is if you ever watch the Malaysian version of Ikin Chang in Young and Dangerous. Uh-huh. Because in the Malaysian print, he's an undercover cop. Oh, yeah. Which, of course, makes no sense later on in the series when... Same thing with Gen X. Yeah. There's a sequence there where Nicholas Day in, in, the, in the Malaysian print is seen getting his father's meant to be a commander across the border in China, and he gets sent on a special mission so that, you know, it's kind of legal for him to be breaking the law or, or what have you. So you do have these two versions. You know, it's an interesting thing, the kind of the, the mirroring of the characters. Uh, there's a couple of shots where you see... Really, the, the, he's kind of looking at Gordon's idea is that these are kind of two mirrored characters that uh, there's like they're on different their, their journeys are different, but there's a kind of parallel experience throughout. Oh no, the I mean they're both completely dedicated. There's a couple to their of shots job. I point them out when they're, they're both suffering with yeah, bad relationships exactly. and everything. And like she's entirely internalized and doesn't really allow her passion out. And Michael's completely externalized, shouting and screaming, but internally. He's cold. But he also is, you know, very emotional only in English. Exactly. Whereas everyone else speaks Cantonese to him, he will yeah. answer one or two phrases in Cantonese, everything else is in English. And now we see Richard Gross as Rick. How do you say his name? Gross, as in... I thought his name was Groose. Uh, He's billed as Groose on the end of the movie, but hell, this is a Hong Kong film. I don't, I'm going by the fact that uh, the other movie I saw him in, Jail of No Return, yep. he's Richard Gross on that. And then, oh, okay. Uh, so maybe it's a misprint at the end. Our mutual so, friend, if it is Richard, I'm sorry. Our mutual friend Ruben... Uh, Ruben Langdon worked with him in Japan on yep. a series of commercials where Richard plays his father. He's an American actor living in Japan. Yeah. And presumably speaks Japanese. Um, and he's also worked with Michael on Jail of No Return. Je- Michael was in Jail of No Return no, as well. That was, was uh, Wong Chi Young. Uh-huh. Carol and, Ng. And Michael was in Miles Apart. Michael directed Miles Apart, and uh, Richard Gruss is in that as well. Gruss or Gross? Uh, How are we going to say it? Richard is in Miles Apart as well, and is actually a decent actor. I was I remember watching the film uh, in the theater this for well, the premiere of this picture, and and really being having no ha, not having had any involvement in its production, and being surprised by you know the fact they'd found this competent actor. Now that was locally. something I was going to ask you. I mean, mm. as we know, I mean, there's a lot of Westerners have yeah. come to Hong Kong to work in movies, right? And normally physical ability has counted for everything, right? It's often, if you are a real actor or have any real dramatic interest, Hong Kong sometimes can be the perhaps the worst place. Yeah, Because absolutely. a lot of the time it's, if you can fight, we'll give you a little bit of respect. Yeah. If we just want you to deliver dialogue, we can grab someone off the street. I know. And, it's all, and to our detriment, to the detriment of the industry. And I think you do occasionally get that lucky happenstance when you get someone like Ricardo Mahmood or, I mean, think of the other people who are, who are good, at, who I consider to be good actors locally, who... Um, are living and working in Hong Kong and um, or at the right place at the right time and you get them to come in and they really do a good job for you. Uh, and a lot of the times you can't find that. By the way, this very artificial setting up of the romance because no guy would admit to liking Andy Lau as a singer. But this guy in his kind of chatting up, uh, I believe his name is Brad Wadiske. It's a nice role. I like Albert. it that he gets a... Yeah. 
Here's a little bit of that thing, but it's very, it's very kind of, it's a plot point. The first time I saw it, I thought that was Darren for a moment because yeah. uh, Darren Shalavi was he originally meant to work much. on the film. Who's Darren Shalavi? Darren Shalavi, British oh, martial I know, artist, but, yeah. born August the fifth, same day as me. Um, wow. I think that's why I put up with him. Go. And then uh, you was once your student. Yeah. And then uh, most recently seen in I Spy uh, opposite Eddie Murphy. Absolutely. And was originally working in Hong Kong making movies. Had just completed Tai Chi Boxer. Yeah. And was going to play a role in this movie, but was offered Blood Moon by Seasonal Films, right. and headed off to make that. Good call on his part. That was a fantastic role for him, uh, opposite but Gary Daniels. But not available on DVD in the UK yet. Strange, that isn't it? Now this sequence, long. This is a, a, another stylistic thing. Obviously, very natural lighting and, and one take. Yeah, and a, a little in joke there in that Michael turns down the cigar and says, "I don't smoke." We all know if there's one thing Michael's addicted to, it ain't kung fu. It's cigars and cigarettes and whiskey and wild, wild women. But there he is on the stairwell. But you know, this is no. This is one very long dialogue sequence in English with no cut. No, I mean that's where when people knock Michael as an actor, yeah. I think it's a case of frequently, well, probably too much time he's been, even perhaps for his own fault, it's been a case of take the money and run. Mm. But when he wants to, he can deliver. I mean, this scene proves it that yeah. he's not perfect, but it's a you know, it's a good two or three minute take. Right. And he's going all the way through it. And it's only, I think, at the very end of the take, he kind of loses it a little. The other thing that's, uh, of course, a problem for him is that you're only as good as your dialogue. And some of the English dialogue or the, the translated Chinese to English dialogue that he's given to deliver in films is really not as good as it might be. And so uh, he, he has to... And, and I guess he's not a writer... He doesn't want to seem to be difficult, so people give it to him, and he does his best to deliver. But it doesn't help if you're given bad dialogue. There's not much you can well, do. I mean, at least that's starting to change now with the fact that they are actually hiring proper scriptwriters such as mm. yourself, mm. Uh, the two French guys, Lawrence and uh, Julien, Julien, Laurent and Julien, who did the touch. Yep. And, and Black Mask 2. Perhaps I shouldn't say that. Black Mask 2. <laughs> They're great guys. I mean, the thing is, there's, as we all know, there's many... It's like twink. the comic book. There's many, there's many a slip twink up in the lip. And the original... I mean, everybody always talks about films I've been involved with. But, I mean, the original scripts are very different to what ends up at the screen anyway. But especially in Hong Kong. Um, quick last couple of points on Michael, we should say. He, of course, direct, made his directorial debut with a film called Miles Apart and is prepping another film called Outside the Lines. But he, I think he may not now direct that, just acting in it. He's a licensed helicopter pilot, as he proved in Miles Apart, and is married to... Uh, the Bob's, lovely Janet Ma. Who was and still is a model. I mean, you still see it. And they have three kids. Now, just how the kids... Are, it's two girls and a boy, right? As far as I know, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. So... Uh, and uh, there's Gary again in the center of the frame. He's also directed his own films as well, uh, but they've been lower budget, kind of smaller pictures. Uh, he's best known as somebody who's uh, first AD on other, on bigger films. And uh, that's the thing about Hong Kong. You always get this kind of uh, subculture of people going back and forth between different films of uh, varying now, sizes. I like this scene, the way that yeah, Michael's the witness to her you know, failing right. relationship, but he never actually acknowledges it. It's a... Yeah. You, you're left wondering, is he being Mr. Macho and just hearing it and not taking notice? Or is you he see just... a, number, a number of scenes where they've got that kind of that barriers between them. And again, this is, look, this kind of shot here, which is almost like a mirror. And there's two or three shots like that. And I know Gordon well enough to know that he doesn't do stuff by accident. That he's looking at ways in which he can, you know, play with the material. I mean, the great thing about Gordon is every time he comes on the set, he wants to make it better. The bad thing about him is he always, and he admits this himself, he always wants to change the script. So some of his films don't make as much sense as they would otherwise have done. But sometimes with Beast Cops, you get some, like with Beast Cops. Oh, Beast Cops rocks. Which something where it's a really a, um, could have been a really conventional genre, you know, thriller. 
and he really took it to another level. Why? Because every day he came in and tried to, you know, squeeze out whatever. But I think one of the best things about Gordon is that he's very honest about things. I always remember mm. he was being interviewed one time by a, another Hong Kong critic, uh, Paul Foreigner. Right. And they were talking about uh, movies he'd made like the Yuppie Fantasia yeah. and Brief Encounter in Shinjuku and then Inspector Pink Dragon. Yeah. And one of the questions was, why do you always use Rosamund Kwan in your mm. movies? And he was like, because I used to like her. Oh. You know, I used to find her so attractive. <laughs> That's <laughs> one of the reasons I wanted to use her. There speaks an honest man. But, you know, we're talking about, talk about Rosamund, think about uh, Jet Li. Um, that was another challenge, was actually getting uh, a, a romance happen between Jet Li and Gigi Leung in Hitman, a film that Gordon <laughs> produced. Because, again, I mean, she's about a foot taller than him. At least. She was on a film that I did work on. How I came to know Gigi a bit better, she was on a film I, I worked on peripherally at Media Asia called Tempting Heart, Sumdong. And she was so good in that. She's really, actually, she, I think she's really good in this, I have to say. I think she's very underrated as an actress. Yeah. I mean, I thought she was much better in Tempting Heart than Karen was. I like Karen Mock, but yeah. I thought no, Karen no. had the flashier role, Gigi had the real. Yeah. She's um, also uh, had a little action turn in Avenging Fist. I think she draw a discreet veil over that. I think Andrew yeah. Lau should, Andrew yeah. Nguyen. And... But I, I think now she's almost known more as a singer who acts rather than an actor who sings. But this um, at the time this movie was made. This was, was when actress. she was really pumping up the movies. Yeah. So, and the other thing that uh, they have in this film that was another kind of innovation was the idea of having like a, lang a language logic that people speak Thai or English or Cantonese or Mandarin dependent on circumstance and as who they they're would talking in real life. to. Right. Yeah. Something we carried on when we did the Gen X and Gen Y movies. Um, prior to that, all the films have been dubbed into now, Cantonese. Talking of Gen Y cops, that's a familiar location Indeed. they're coming to. Yeah. This is the thing about Hong Kong. You always end up at the same. If you're doing action pictures, because it's so difficult to get permission to shoot in the main city, it's like you end up going to these same locations again and again and again. And uh, I mean, at least at this, the time this film was made, the Lot on Pie warehouse had yet to be converted to the purpose of making films. Or, what exactly was the purpose of Lot on Pie before it I, became it was a film a, set? It was a water, water purification, water purification thing. I thought you told me that. I think so, but then... You I gave hit... me a long lecture about why it was a water, <laughs> water purification No, I've heard place. that, and then other people have told me it was for shipbuilding, no. or I don't know. I, I, maybe it was somebody else. I remember also not knowing, and, and somebody gave me this long talk about, well, it's water purification, that's why it's by the sea, that's why there are now these big stagnant pools... I thought it was just it looked cool. It, yeah, it's probably that as well. But now I think like, probably th now that is the current location for everyone to get killed totally. at least once in a movie. You've died there in a yes. twins effect. Absolutely, but several times. Mention Bruce. Uh, by the way, I must say, Gigi handling a gun in this movie is always um, the blink and, and flinch factor is always an issue. But she does. No, she does because look how tall she is. Next exactly. To the rest of them. I think again, it's because Bruce Law yeah. was involved in a lot of the training. Bruce right. and Dante and Gordon. Right. I mean, you know, Dante loves all this action yeah. as well so they're all in that thing for realism so mm. instead of the normal case of okay we're on the set i'll hand you a gun for the first time right. bruce and everyone like okay him. let's do some training get used to firing a gun yeah so the um talk about bruce law i mean he's got he's got great action credentials i mean he former did... taekwondo champion turned thai boxer it's fascinating that because no one thinks of him as doing martial arts but uh, he actually does studied have a martial art northern background. shaolin really yep He's okay. a very diverse guy. You should watch for this. This is kind of like a blink and you'll miss a uh, cameo uh, or a little supporting role, which absolutely goes nowhere. By the uh, lovely Kathy Chow. Chow Hoi Chi Chinese name I was going to avoid saying because I pronounce it wrong. Who's it? a leading lady who would be the leading lady in Beast Cops. But it's got, and that she plays Michael's girlfriend. Also Roy Jung's girlfriend. Which is one of the you know major kind of like love the love triangle of that film. I mean, I think Kathy is one of those actresses who she's got far better looking yeah. as she's Let, got Let's talk work. about her in a minute. She's going to come back. This I like this sequence because um, 
it's really different acting styles, but she kind of matches him. And I like when, when he's really pushing her to kind of back off the case. And then at the end, he says, you know, oh, you're, you're, you're he gives you her some give grudging up. respect. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I like that. And the, um, the guy in the middle at the background there, another member of the, we always see him in Dante and Gordon's movies as a member of that, the SWAT team unit, the guys who are always in various variations of that, but they always have the same group. You see that guy's face again and again. Uh, and he was also working with us behind the scenes on on Twins Effect, but this is good because they they kind of they're holding you can hold the attention because you've actually established the characters and people don't go oh let's get to the next action bit and this is another thing the human touch is what Gordon's very good at bringing to these slam bang action pieces and here's Kathy, what are the chances of that huh you know ex girlfriend turns up at the scene of the crime and she's well I don't got, know if you hung out with some of the women yeah, yeah. that you have <laughs> I've lived a sheltered life. There she is. What are you saying about Kathy? No, Kathy is someone who, if you look at her when she was younger, yeah. she was cute, but yeah. as she's as she's aged, she's yeah. um, matured into a much, I think, a better actress, and also she looks far better now yeah. as, as she's got older. She was, uh, she, as I mentioned before, she's the leading lady in Beast Cops. I kept waiting for her to come back in this film, but maybe that, there were maybe there were there's just... deleted scenes somewhere that Possibly. we don't know. Possibly, yeah. I but I, my biggest problem with her is that. If you pronounce her Chinese name slightly wrongly, what does it come out as? I'm not going to mention, but it's not rude, very polite. A rude word. How do you pronounce her name properly, babe? Chao Hui Mei. Okay, think I about hope, it. I, I hope. I think. Well, I'll get back. To, we'll, we'll do another deleted. Now we'll do another... this is near my house. This is in Saikung Country Park. Right, which was also where we shot the the audition scenes in Gen X Cops when they when Chang Chi Wai is looking at all of the other cops and he picks out Nicholas and Steve and everybody. This was shot in the same place. And I think Inspector Wears Skirts was here as well. Was the uh, Sections of it, yeah. The um, Just go back, quick Kathy Chow name check. Other films she was in, Holy Virgin vs. Evil Dead, Don't Give a Damn and Cheap Killers. What was she in Holy Virgin vs. Evil Dead? I don't remember her being in that. But she's credited as being oh, in the film. I, I remember mean, a bit. I think she's in at the very beginning, and she's like one of the... I, I think the girlfriend of... Isn't of Donnie? She? Donnie's maybe. girlfriend, yeah. Now, I mean, Cheap Killer, she, she's being battled by our very own Mike Lambert, mm. who then would play her boyfriend in The the Sex Lies of Eastern Hollywood, produced by Wong Jing. I never saw that. It's a very strange movie. Michael's in that. Mike, Mike Lambert. Lambert. T- Mike Lambert turns up as her, as her boyfriend. Right. And says, Yeah. This is a nice sequence here. It kind of brings everybody together with The Way of the Gun. And uh, Michael, I mean, it says a lot, actually, for Michael's uh, following and his screen presence that even though he is not a Cantonese speaker and he does great sections of dialogue in, in, in English. I mean, other actors who've come to Hong Kong, like Daniel Wu, who didn't speak any Cantonese, were told, you have to learn or Chinese. Or they are made fun. I mean, like, one of the things I like in Gen X Cops is when they actually, you know, Daniel's on-screen brother makes fun of him because he's always speaking yeah. English, and then so does Francis yeah. Ng right. and everyone. I like the way she he, he turns around here and he says to her, you know, like, any volunteers? And she's like, me? <laughs> it's like she's in school or something like that. There's just that. something about she's got a real vulnerable beauty. She's yeah. got a real... Totally. I mean, I think gunplay is interesting because uh, it's like, and look, you see, she really looks like she knows what she's doing. The problem you have a lot of the times that you mentioned, people are training. Jackie fires the gun in the air a couple of times before he does the scene because people are always blinking. That's what I mean, nice. if you so watch... This guy's, yeah. getting a bit too, this guy's getting a bit too intimate with her. So he's... So Joe takes him out and says, <laughs> bugger off. I know. 
the, this is the, the if I said one attribute that Gordon Chan brings to films, it's a human touch. He totally. really adds he that. He has a real humanity, and as a person, I mean, he's. Uh, I spent two years with him, pillar to post, on um, well, more than two years on High Binders, and you get to know what someone's like, and it, it's reflected in the best of his work. Is the human, and even the films that are like flawed, like Armageddon. He's really you. There are moments you've got to remind as well though, because he's very ambitious. He does try things. I mean, like with Armageddon, yeah. to do a movie that probably no one else would have thought of doing, a totally. kind of X Files supernatural, yeah. without it being crazy supernatural people flying around. You, you mentioned earlier he started off doing effects at Shaw Brothers and then became a scriptwriter at Golden Harvest among other places, and he was one of the writers on Dragons Forever. And his first, the first film he was un, an uncredited director was The Big Heat. Which oh, was, uh, everyone directed the Big Heat. Johnny Toad, I thought Troy you did some Hart. scenes on that, right? Um, no, a few stomachs. And it's The Big Heat, the first movie of Robin Shue. Now, we should explain this, that they put an APB out on a guy whose name is... Uh, Stone Man. Which is a stupid kind of nickname. And so they, all these guys have the same nickname. <laughs> and there's 20 more of them coming. So you get this great reaction shot here where everybody's, again, uh, both the shooting range scene and this one here, everybody's reacting in an amused way to, uh, you know, what's uh, Except what's for Stephen Chan. Except for Stephen Chan, who's kind of the butt of everybody's. Uh, he's actually normally, cast, I guess because of his physical build, he's always cast in those kind of roles in films in Hong Kong. He, he, I mean, that's why I'd love to see some of the stuff that he shot for Crime Story that never made it to the screen. Was there a lot of stuff that was kind of... Oh, I mean, him and Jim C- James yeah. Ha and everyone. There was, I mean, there's... A completely different movie there. I don't know why in Hong Kong, whenever we do the DVDs, I mean, I'm obviously fighting the battle as best Jackie's I can. Jackie's got it in his vault where yeah. he keeps everything else. And, it, and well, the rights issues, I suppose, but they won't actually bring this, they won't bring stuff out and actually... Well, I mean, I remember interviewing Jackie one time and I asked him, you know, would you put deleted scenes back in a movie? And his answer was, no, I cut them because they're no good. Yeah. Why would I want to put them back? And you were talking about the one I really want to see the stuff from, Drunken Master 2. There's Drunken Master 2, there's Project A, yeah. there's... And you know that one day Jackie will release them. Yeah. The the because um, when was, you guys were doing my stunts, yeah. Originally there was talk that there'd be uh, unseen footage. We actually up. physically went to the vault and we were at the vault door and it was so tantalising, but we were not allowed in. It was not for us. So uh, this film played in uh, Hong Kong in 1996 uh, from the 14th of September to the 1st of November. That's a pretty good run. That's those what, were the no, days. No, those were the days. Now if if your film lasts a week or two, it's yeah, it's good going. It. Uh, 14 million at the box office, over 14 million at the Hong Kong box office, which was a sizable hit given the investment. I remember actually, it was when I was just joining Media Asia going up and they were having like the celebration. Because it was party. also the first big Media Asia movie. I mean, yeah. there'd been a couple of action movies, but they'd been smaller until this. Well, a couple of years before that, there'd been this press conference. And we will be artistic out. only. Yeah, and it was like, yeah, I mean, it was like no guns, no action. We will make no money. No audience. Yeah. But you know what? Those films did actually. You know, if you go back to Mongolian Tale and uh, Made in uh, Rosé... Appointment in Portland Street they, with they, my they, friend Calvin Wong, shot in of, England. Yeah, a ton of... Now, they, they shot it under that title, and it was released as something else, Foreign Moon. No, that's a different movie. Which movie? Appointment in Portland that Street a is, is a Media Asia movie. Was it released by Media Asia? Yes. Calvin Wong saw that. Foreign Moon is another movie shot in London oh. at the same time. Because I was doing distribution there. I don't remember the first Portland Street movie at all. But I believe you. It might. If anybody would know, it's you. So I well, believe you. Okay. But it was like either the, that or Calvin managed to get a six-week paid vacation in England. Could be. No, I know <laughs> they did one movie in England with the BBC, which was Foreign Moon. Foreign Moon was done with the BBC. Is he in that? No. So it and can't be the same film. There was another movie, Appointment in Portland Street, which really? was a very low budget. I'm not sure if Media Asia produced as that it. Title? Yeah, I have it at home. Um, I'm not sure if Media Asia produced it. I know they distributed it. Yeah. 
So it might have been... But anyway, so they were doing all those art house films uh, with varying levels of success. And then later it uh, transpired that you needed to have some, at least some action films to pay for the dramas. So this film was kind of, as you say, kind of paved the way for that cycle of films. And um, uh, What's funny is as well that it kind of uh, came at the tail end of everyone else had done their SDU movies. Yeah. When Gordon did the first SDU movie in 1993, you'd suddenly had two years where right. there was SDU mission in mission. Right. And... SDU and SDU in the Philippines with Jimmy Wong, right. with action by Cho Wing and Dave Saunders turning up in that. Mm. Um, everyone else had just done these like brainless SDU movies that hadn't mm. worked. And then the tail end of it, Gordon returns to the, the genre right. and probably does you know, the, the fitting best. end to that genre. It's a mystery to me why Golden Harvest, having done the first, the final option uh, with him, didn't decide to do a second one. And actually, uh, Andrew Lau, Lau Wai Kung, directed Best of the Best in the same year that this film Which came also out. stars Mike Lambert in a very strong... Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? He did that one, and then he was in Black Mask, Mike Lambert was. And then they had basically all the other Western actors in town, apart from Mike Lambert, were in this one. So um, I guess they were competing. And I think this film probably performed better than Best of the Best did. Uh, so in the end, the best of the say, best Gordon is interesting because some of the casting. I mean, you've got Herman Yao, best known mm. as a director, turning up as a psychotic Vietnamese vet, mm. veteran. You've got um, Mike Lambert in a very positive, strong role for a Western right. actor as well. I mentioned earlier the scriptwriter for this film, Chan Guy, the co-scriptwriter with Gordon, also wrote um, A Better Tomorrow, the Chai In Fact classic, and uh, based with on Gordon. True Colors of a Hero, indeed. And he wrote uh, with Gordon, uh, Beast Cops, and also the Jet Li movie Hitman. And also as a director, he directed La Brasiere, which was a big hit. With uh, uh, Lao Wan and Louis Koo. Right. And actually... And uh, Gigi Lung. It's a small circle. Gordon uh, won Best Script uh, with uh, Chan Hengai from the Hong Kong Film Critics Association for his work on the script. So Now, I like this scene because you've got the Hong Kong SDU coming in. Yeah. And then in a moment, you know, the confusion begins when the shooting starts. It, right. You're thinking, have the, have the Hong Kong police just started shooting for no reason? Right. And you slowly introduce the second t- SEAL team. You know? Right, and which is like the first, the, the genuine threat that they're going to have. Um, she mentioned the music in this movie was so memorable. I think every single Media Asia promotional reel thereafter for an action film, because you know, often you have the footage before you have the music. We would take the uh, the, mu- the music from first option and actually put that on uh, top of the promo for the, the new The foot- best new music from any movie wasn't 2008. It was the music from Purple Storm. Anthony Carpio should have released that as a single. It was great. Singing it was the really, Vietnamese song. It was a really, it, would, it was a fantastic score. Even if some people claimed it was from Peacemaker. Yes, indeed. Unfortunately, you, you, you don't have a tradition in Hong Kong. Unless you have a lot of pop songs on the, on the film, you don't have a soundtrack album. It's not a great tradition of doing orchestral soundtrack I mean, albums. even Frankie Chan, who used to do a lot of composing, would yeah. also do a lot of, shall we say, borrowing from library music. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But he was still credited as a composer because he would have to find the suitable music to borrow. Yeah, absolutely. Well, he, And he's still doing that now. He's still doing music for films at the uh, moment. Especially for a lot of Wong Gar stuff. Right, absolutely. Because Wong Gar began as a scriptwriter for Frankie Chan. That I didn't know. So on what films? Um, uh, when Frankie was a romantic lead in a lot of his comedies, yeah. if you look at some of the ones with uh, Xiao Fong Fong yeah. and Sally Yip, it's script by Wong Garwei. Yeah. Well, you, you are the man who knows all. Sorry, you going to say something? That was the that was Roderick Lamb running past there, who's another of the Gordon Chan crew. The regular the regular players. We're going to close up with him later. We'll point him out again. But you know, looking at Michael's credits for this movie. Uh, his credits before talking about this film. This American movie, the horror film, The Vineyard, 
Mr. An, I've seen every movie. That is an interesting movie. Starring seen Victor it. Hung from Big Travel in Little China as well. It really pisses me off to no end. And uh, and he's, it's the it's the I haven't one, seen it. It's interesting because it's Chinese hopping vampires in an American movie, really? and it just doesn't work. Uh huh. They, I mean, they they try to make them look it's menacing. It's a proper movie. It's a proper on movie on film and everything. Yep. How come it was never released? Like, um, you can get it in Blockbuster. You can really. Yeah. Here in Hong Kong. Uh, it was released, I think, by Ocean Shores. I think. Uh, you see, you would know all these things. I, I've I never, have no I, life. I've seen the, <laughs> I've seen the credit. Help me. <laughs> I've seen all the credits, and there's uh, Le Bon, and uh, that's a great moment. It is really just. That's when the film kind of changes, totally changes. Uh, but I mean, tone. what's funny as well is like normally in a scene like this, when there's squibs going off, you know, mm. the little explosions, they'll be set. When they were filming all of this, yeah. Bruce Law would be on set firing pellets at people. Yeah. So they would react like they're really instead shot because at. sometimes you get that. Okay, I know where the explosion yeah, is yeah, going to yeah. be. Totally. The um, I was trying to we were doing, remember we were doing high binders and there was one guy on the film. I won't say who it was, but it was somebody who wasn't that experienced as a filmmaker. Perhaps he thought he was. And there's a scene when he's being shot at, and uh, uh, Samo says, "Hey, remember, you're being shot at." And the guy says, no, it's okay, I'm wearing earplugs. And Sambo goes, yeah, and the audience can tell you're wearing earplugs. <laughs> because he was like, like, it's nothing, you know, but obviously if a gunshot goes off. I mean, Michael was pretty pumped, wasn't he? Oh, exactly. I think he had barbells on the set in between compared takes. compared to, to the, other, the rest <laughs> of the guys. Yeah. Well, I suppose when we see the Westerners, it's kind of a bit more of an even match. But then, I mean, let's talk about some of the Westerners. I mean, let's wait. Let's introduce them when we see okay. them, shall we? And they come on. One thing I was talking about, you know, the the famous brothers. I mean, it's interesting. Michael and Russell are a little bit like Michael Wincott and Jeff Wincott, because Michael Wincott did all those low budget. No, Michael Wincott did all the high budget Hollywood blockbusters. The Crow, uh, The Three Musketeers, Forty Ninety Two, Strange Days, Conquest of Paradise. And just has the voice. And there's Michael Wincott, who's a martial arts star doing all those. Jeff Wincott's a Jeff Wincott arts. is the martial arts star doing all those B movies. And they never the twain shall meet. And apparently, they don't, unlike Michael and Russell, they don't get along. But I mean, what's funny is Russell also began his career in Hong Absolutely, Kong. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, what was his first movie? Um, it was the one about dancing. It was indeed. He um, was, wasn't he the romantic? Was, he was the, the romantic lead to a. The singer, the, roman- the musical singer. Yeah. Of all the uh, odd, t- cont- odd titles, him and James Wong. Yeah, and then the funny thing was that. Um, Russell, you know, who was training him at the beginning? Yun Kuei, who would then work with him on Romeo Must Die. Oh. Yun Kuei was one of the guys hired yeah. to see what Russell and Michael could do. Yeah. Well, I mean, they keep coming back. I mean, he's doing this black sash now, but really black sash, the idea of it seems to me to be old wine in a new bottle because he already did that, didn't he, with Vanishing Sun? Vanishing Sun, which featured a lot of Hong Kong-inspired right. action, which also had the wonderful moment of uh, American martial arts star J.J. Perry, who we both know Great extensively guy. doubling for Russell. <laughs> Well, I mean, uh, Russell's Not, a great actor, but I mean, you know, I, I think on any kind of uh, show where you're called upon to do a lot of stunt work, if the lead's out of action, it But also works. just the, the the great reverse of Hong Kong, where normally it's a, a Chinese stunt guy doubling a Western actor. Right. That's a sign of the times right there. And uh, also, uh, Russell worked with uh, Ridley Choi, Choi Boa, on The Lost Empire, the yeah. the hallmark reimagining of the um, journey to the West. Action, that was terrible, wasn't it? Not Choi Boa's fault. No. No control right. over the editing, you know. Yeah. But they um, actually, Peter Michael, McDonald. Michael and Russell were meant to uh, co-star in a film, China White, that Ronnie Yu directed. And they actually, well, that was also started off starring Andy Lau and Alex Mann, and then... No, no, what happened was they, they did the ran film out of with, money. They did the film with Russell and Michael, and well, they were going to do the film with Russell and Michael, and Michael was tied up on another film. So he was replaced by an American Chinese actor. Stephen Vincent Lee. And then later, when they were going to bring the film out here, because they had this whole thing about you have to have these guys in there, they actually shot other scenes with Andy oh, and Alex Oh, I always Alex thought that Mann. maybe well, they started, started off shooting, shooting it with Andy and Alex, run out of money, and then a couple of years later... It's possible. 
I also, think it was the issue. My that... favourite moment of China White is just Saskia Van Whisk in a very tight leather outfit, letting loose with some boots. Explain who she was. Saskia Van Whisk, very statuesque, could have been the new Sybil Denning. Right. Did a couple of Hong Kong movies, including a very strange one with Derek Yi, uh-huh. Derek Yi Dongxing, and Sybil Hu, which was actually released in England, although I can't remember the title. You mean theatrically or on video? Video release. Okay, because I never saw anything apart from China White, but she's about that kind of. Uh, a bondage madam but I, I'm surprised she hasn't worked with our mutual friend Ron Smordenberg yes well, it's only a matter of time perhaps but anyway so China White but they had like a different version it was actually called something else it was called The S- Deadly Sin or something when it was released in uh, Hong Kong and they had like a framing uh, sequence with Andy Lau and Alex Mann they're the, uh, I think they're the fathers of yeah. the characters Lau Dat Wah Man Chi who were like uh, uh Andy Lau, obviously. Alex, man, whatever happened to that guy? A little heavier, and uh, I guess retired from the silver screen. And running business in China. Notice they have the most photogenic uh, injury that you could have. He's got a little thing on his neck. It was a vampire, man. It was was one of the twins effect. So here's him cussing the hell out of everybody, and you get the uh, kind of... uh, Damien Lau should headbutt him. And you get all the the subtitles again with all these kind of cleaned up uh, phrases. This is really nice. This um, really shows the isolation of the character. The camera's locked here, and you get a sense of this guy with the walls closing in on him in his life, and then all the answering machine messages coming back, and it's just one bit of bad news after the other. And here's something, here's a little inside thing. The messages are coming one after the other. The last message is about a ring. Obviously, he's ordered a ring from a jeweler to give to Kathy Chow, thinking they're going to get married. The voice that we hear is actually Ip Kwong Kim. Is our Kim's voice. Oh, okay. As another character completely. <laughs> and then the next scene after this, we see the real Ip Kwong Kim as the expert, uh, the kind of the forensics firearms expert forensics. with the firearms and what have you. But you'd have to work with um, with uh, Kim for as long as I did to kind of get that. But I was hearing the voice. I'm going, what the? But that was just obviously something they put together in the office. That's him now. Yeah, that, that you can recognize that voice. Totally distinctive voice. Remember Hitman? You know, yeah. he's the guy organizing. I just like well, the fact that his mother calls and gives him a message yeah. and says, oh, please give me a call. Well, and here he is. This is him. Well, let's see, when he comes into shot here because he's looking at this. This is the other guy, the, the Darren lookalike. And then there's him. There he is. With much shorter hair than he normally has. But he was... Um, Which I think makes him look older, though, when he's got the longer hair. Yeah. He doesn't talk in the film, so that means that you can get away with having him on the... Uh, no, he does talk briefly when he picks up his noodles. What's the, he saying? The original scene, the forensic guys are, are cleaning up and he does asks... He, does he say more than three words? Um, is his voice I didn't memorable? count them. But his, word, his voice isn't as memorable. I, know, I think he had a Sean Connery accent machine. at the time. So we have like the sequence here of... Uh, Young Mr. Albert dis- ex- explaining what's been going on. And I think that Michael really has, makes that bandage work, doesn't it? And this is kind of a... I guess the uh, it's always tough when you kind of impose upon a director what you think the subtext is. But one thing I thought about this was the idea that the different departments of government or of law enforcement need to unify and work together against common foes rather than fighting against each other. Which will never happen, unfortunately. Not in Hong Kong, not in our lifetimes. But uh, uh, certainly that's what, what, what part of the message was, because you had the different departments. Well, I mean, I think it's funny how even Michael Wong's character admits at one point, you know, we don't plan, we're the SDU, we just take action. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's... And that was actually unusual because it, the uh, the last line that, that you hear from Stephen Chan there, you know, like Nailomo, you would never be allowed to say that, even if like a year before this film came out. It just showed you how. That, no, there's a movie a called Secret Signs with uh, Max Mo- first, Moxie Jung. Was that the first one? It was one? the movie produced by Jimmy Choi, Jet Li's manager, right. that got killed. Yeah. And uh, that movie is just bleeped constantly because really? everyone in the movie is just. 
letting rip. And yes. I mean, it begins with a 20 minute documentary mm. about the real triads in Holland. Oh, really? And just every other word is a cuss word. Because I was, um, uh, I remember talking to Gordon about uh, there's an old black and white movie, one of the Buddha Palm films on TV. And those films in the old days, they did shoot Sing Sound, bizarrely enough, on the set. And there's one scene when somebody's doing something and you hear a guy from behind the camera go, and it's really like Chinese, Cantonese cussing. And it's really evident. But for some reason, no, no one noticed and it was still playing I on I mean, TV. But then I remember seeing a Japanese uh, making of from the set of one of Jackie and Samo's movies. Yeah. And it's the same thing. You can hear people saying stuff that mm. they'd never get away with saying on Hong Kong right. television. A couple of things that date the film slightly. Um, all the references to 1997, which um, you know is always an issue when you do a film. Like I guess if we start referencing the Gulf War, or you know, like no, but also everyone was expecting 97 to, to be, be the yeah. the big change. So it's a big motivation. But again, this confrontation. I actually here. like it because I mean the gun's shaking, and you're not sure if it's just the guy couldn't hold the gun, or if it's meant to be he's worried about. It fits the character. Yeah. So uh, we have this kind of the encounter here. The other thing is a couple of references to Governor Chris Patton, of course, who was the last governor of China of Hong Kong before the Chinese takeover. Lovely, affectionately known by the public as Fat Pang. Yes, he was actually he's, he uh, his character at least has a cameo in Thunderbolt, the Gordon Chan movie, <laughs> driving along in the uh, in the the kind of the. Uh, the, the governorial, the governorial vehicle, uh, when Jackie's trying to do his road race. Now I really like the action here. I mean, it's you can tell it's Bruce Law's style because it's very realistic. There's no glamorized action. It's mm. a real takedown. Yeah. Very brutal, very painful. He actually did another. He, he did the action on our film Manhattan Midnight, the when, movie, which I want to see. Which is will come out in due course. It shall be released. This Maggie year. Q. Yes. I want to see the movie, and not for the reasons people may think. What reasons are those, mate? Well, according to the Chinese press, here he goes. Anyway, meanwhile, back at the ranch, it was uh, it will be released this year, Manhattan Midnight, and Bruce did some good action for us there. All shot with on. Richard Greco. And no, he makes it, and as you say, it's got a realism to it. I mean, that's one thing. I think it's probably a little easier to teach people who are not uh, martial artists to do realism, realistic action, than it is to teach people to look like because kung fu experts. If you come in with no training, you haven't got that. Okay, I've got to drop into a horse stance or right. extend my fist or whatever. Now, this is another. Um, scene when Michael really gets to show a little bit of what he can do as an actor and again I think he's let down a bit because the writing is the story he's telling is interesting but it's kind of the the, the dialogue is kind of flat and it has a feel of somebody reading out subtitles and also it's, it's like, not very inspiring it's kind of like a real well even these guys with lots more equipment died right it's not no it's, it's that they that they call for help even though it wasn't yeah. needed so I mean, it's like you know, uh, well, we won't we won't be like that. Or I'm not sure what the moral of the story is. That's what I'm saying. But it so. was like that, that. And he's giving this long um, speech. But the subject matter is interesting. And if they did have somebody like myself or yourself working on the film who came in and said, okay, we'll we'll, we'll rewrite it. But on, a lot of the times, as you know, on Hong Kong films, if you are an English speaker acting in the film, they say, oh, you're English. Uh, how would you say this? And then you just you're called upon to become like the writer du jour. And it's not a fair responsibility to impose on an actor. Even if you're the scriptwriter, it's often the case of we need the new dialogue as in now. <laughs> Tell me about it. You know, every five minutes, the uh, script changes. But, um, you know, another thing about Michael, not a lot of people know this, he was actually briefly a singing star in, in Thailand. In Thailand, of all places. Donnie was a singing star in Thailand. Mm. Choi Su Kung's a singing Choi Su star. Choi Kung, in... yes. Donnie, uh, he was a TV star in Thailand. We I, went know, over I like Donnie singing the Kung Fu Master and Fist of Fury he theme tunes. He did a good job with them, I thought. You know, particularly Kung Fu Master was good. I like this when, you know, Michael was all alone yeah. doing the Bai San and paying right. respect. Yeah. I mean, it, it, to General Kwan. Right. And what's funny is, 
both the triads and the police pay respect to General Quan. What's General Quan called in Chinese? Guang Gong. And uh, why is his face red? Because uh, he's out of breath. Because, according to legend, he uh, killed a lot of people and uh, stopped by a brook to wash his face. And he washed his face with his blood-covered hands. And his face was red thereafter. And here, those triceps... Can I Winston, to... the big man, Ellis. If we start with Winston stories, we'll have to have a second Winston George track. Ellis. Car- seen in Cypress Tigers and The Quest and a few low-budget Filipino movies that Gofei produced. And I think the best special effect in this movie is this tricep. Take a look at that. Jeez, man, look at that. But, hey, where's he from? Uh, from Reading, right? Indeed. But, what style of kung fu does he do? Uh, he was an eagle claw master. Absolutely. And but what... my funniest memory of Winston is the making of Supreme Warrior, the video game, uh-huh. which features Winston, yep. Richard Norton, Kim Marie Penn. Now, all the characters... Shot at the Ashore Brothers lot. Yeah. Uh, a young Andy Chang from yep. Singaman and uh, Hong Yan Yan. What's funny is... All the characters have a, a secret. Like, if you defeat them in a certain way, you get to... Imbe- Sorry, hold on a minute. I just want to point out, this guy, who's not in with the rest of the team, is Brian Banowitz, the guy who's standing that on the That is Brian Banowitz. Brian Banowitz. Call me the man they call Bano, or Bano. From Gen Y Cups. And Gen- there's Steve Nation in the foreground. Right. Australian actor and occasional martial artist. And uh, works at a gym the rest of the time? Uh, no, he's a model. Okay. And I think that's Michael's brother, one of Michael's brothers, that guy. I was trying to get that clarified as well but Michael this I like this scene a lot I remember we used some footage from this film in Gen Y Cops playing in a scene and I started watching it thinking this is really nice again the touches that Gordon brings to a film that would otherwise just be a kind of a rote uh, genre movie but he it, sits down here what he, he sits and then we have this thing he looks across and this has no this is relevance. a Johnny Toe moment yeah yeah, absolutely well they're all from a fruit from the same tree these guys and it doesn't have any relevance to the story other than you know, to the feeling that he is at one removed from the real world and all the ambitions and dreams he had with Kathy Chow, who's never again in the film after that one shot. And uh, so anyway, but going back, you were saying about the Okay, so on training. the Supreme Warrior game, yes. um, all the characters, if you defeat them, there's you know, a secret technique yeah. you can do to embarrass the characters. You know, Kim Marie Penn is reduced to her underwear, etc. Yeah. And if you defeat Winston's character, yeah. he turns into a baby in a nappy and bonnet. Right. But it's him. And the funniest moment it's, it's is, him yes, it's Winston, but okay. whereas Winston has an incredible upper body physique, yeah. I don't think he actually trained his legs very much. Oh, really? Um, so his legs are skinny? Somewhat. Okay. Um, and he he's was on camera doing He was it. very upset about that. Oh, okay. Because, you know, he's got this enormous upper body and then... Did that game get released? I have it, but... They spent so much time and money on it. I don't know. It, it's very hard to play because I think it was too... too. The idea was too advanced right. for the technology. Because I always said, you know, that they should have shot a film at the same oh, time. Oh, no, I mean, that was... They had so many... According to, to interviews with Winston Ellis, they did. Oh, they shot the film at the same According time? According to Winston. Because I was on the setup at Shaw Brothers, and as far as I know, they weren't doing that, but they certainly had enough footage but, I mean, that was, that was also just for the cast. Richard yeah. Norton, Chuck Jeffries, Vivian Su, Chaplin, Chang, mm. Hong Yan Yan, Andy yeah. Chang, Ron Yun, Roger Yuan... Uncle Tom Cobbley and all. Another thing you know about Gordon that you wouldn't tell to look at him because he's such a slender built kind of scholarly looking chap. He's a he master is, of the leaping leopard? There is that. And another thing is that he's totally so knowledgeable about military matters. I mean, he's a great reader up of histories of military things and kind of strategies and military campaigns. And he knows all about, that's why you see these things like the Claymore and all these different things. Stuff that I think most Hong Kong filmmakers they just know of a gun as being something you run out firing people with. He knows all the sophisticated stuff. But what's funny is in Hong Kong just how much of a gun fetish there is amongst people. Oh, God, but, yeah. I mean, you actually you 
do well, have... this guy was arrested, wasn't there? Re- not recently, but a while back, and he had in his home all of that stuff. Well, like I mean, loads yeah, of guns. You can actually go and take part in paintball. SDU, yeah. Special Duties Unit paintball, at like the right. Kill House, etc., in Moncart. Yeah. And a lot of these guys who play the SDU, ask them what they do on weekends, and they're at, they're at paintball and war games, yeah. but special duties. And you'll see people walking down the street on a Saturday well, you know, night, etc., in cops, full army gear. Gen X Cops, the scene with the burning swimming pool. You know, when uh, uh, Nicholas and killed. Francis, yeah. yeah. That's actually a paintball yeah. uh, range with all the funky stuff there running around. This is this is the last scene that we see Damien Lau uh, in the movie. Who gets he to comes in. come across as a bit more of a nice guy than you think. Well, it's, he's got a great fight finishing line. He says, don't die uh, in action because I need somebody to be the mayor Do you know what the mayor is? Uh, the blame. Exactly. Do you know what literally it means? No, I'm afraid What not. is like where you cooking? Yeah. A cooking what? Mayor is like to carry it on your back. So it's like the mayor what is somebody to carry the, carry the blame, carry the blame like basically to be the muggins. So they have this little scenario here. But Damon Lau, I think, is a, is a terrific actor, and, and probably because he's a good character player, doesn't get the respect he Because, I mean, his, what's funny is his Chinese name is almost the same as Lao Ching Wan's, right? Right, yeah. He's Damien Lau. Yeah. 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 And he was, uh, as in, I don't have it written down here and I can't remember it, but Damien Lau is his name. But it's very similar to Lao Ching Wan's yeah. name. It's Because I used to get confused at the beginning when right. I see the credits. Yeah, but he, he, other films he's in was Benny Chan's movie, The Magic Crane, that Choi Hark produced. That's an awesome movie. And what price survival? The, the, the best movie AKA just you. coming out in England from a rival. So I'm sorry about that. Oh, was it really? It. On DVD? Very good movie. Directed by Daniel Lee Young Kong. Absolutely. Featuring Wu Sing Wah. Seen in Accidental Spy. We can be generous. It's coming out in England on Charlie DVD. Charlie Young, Choi Nate. Check it out. What are you, it is a party political broadcast for the rivals. I love that movie. It is a good film. What yeah. Price Survival with the Return of the One-Armed Swordsman, 1994. So how come it's got two titles? Because uh, I think Shaw Brothers didn't want them to call it the Return of the One-Armed Swordsman. Oh, okay, yeah. It sure. was produced by Homan Tin. Yes. Sadly, long gone, that company. Produced a few of Yun Bu's Homan Tin was movies. the name of the company? Yes. Okay. Homan is also a... a... Location in Hong Kong. Oh, okay. So the, the, you know, not to confuse the two. And this, I must say, you know, and it, it's, it's kind of like hard to get that stuff working for you if you're a girl. But I think uh, Gigi kind of carries off the blue um, combat outfit. A very long, lingering, loving shot of Le Bon there. Well, I with think no, <laughs> no real. It was for showreel. It was a showreel yeah. shot. By the way, you should mention that all of this is on location. Oh no, that's think, one of the no things I think. Shots in the I think that's film. what makes the movie work. Yeah. Is that it is? It's got that documentary feel to a certain extent. It's kind of like um, the kind of like art uh, art out of how do you put it? Kind of like aesthetics out of necessity. We couldn't afford to, to go into a studio and so build we, these locations. Right. So you had to go and find places to but shoot. But then it works. It does work. Yeah. And I like this reference that you know Michael begins to pick up that maybe the the captain. Mm. is a bit more involved due to the cigar he's smoking. Right, yeah. So there's like lots of little points left through the film. Um, I think that it's always, when you're, when you're doing these these kind of films, you kind of, you have to kind of make the threat to the uh, the heroes kind of increasing throughout the picture. And now when we realize by the end of the day that it's actually the SEAL team commander who's, you know... SEAL team have some very interesting accents for an American team. Though. They do, don't they? This is always a challenge, isn't it? I mean, Armageddon, right, was the famous one. I am the son of God. There was that. And also, who was the Italian guy from Scotland Yard? Hello, I am from, I mean, I am from Scotland Yard. Yes, I know. And it's like, but you know what? The thing is, if we were doing a movie in Hong I mean, how many, when, when people hear Chinese spoken, I mean, look at the opening of Drive when uh, Ron Yun, you know, is speaking Cantonese. I know. And it's so dire. 
But for an American international, for the international audience, they're like, well, they never heard Cantonese spoken. And also, they certainly wouldn't understand the difference between a Cantonese accent, a Mandarin accent, a Chuchao accent, the idea that Chinese has all these different subtle variations. That's why Chinese is such a confusing language. I mean, one of my best friends in Hong Kong had that. He grew up in Scotland, uh, spoke Chinese with his family, came to Hong Kong not knowing that he speaks Chuchao or something, arrives in Hong Kong and finds he can't communicate with anyone. uh, a couple of things I want to talk about with regard to Michael, because uh, people always ask me, you know, like, how come um, uh, people like Jiayun Fat, he had, uh, he was like the cinematic alter ego of John Woo, and Alain Delon was for someone like Melville. And, um, you know, there's other examples of, like, directors who keep going back to us. And, and when John Woo went to Hollywood, it became Nicolas Cage, was like his cinematic alter, alter ego. But Gordon always keeps using Michael, and I think that Not Michael anymore. is one half of actually michael he still wants to use michael but michael's been well, actually michael's well. working with him again on the the new option series which uh, gordon produced gordon produced with wong jing and uh, clarence ford ghost directed who's cr- director of credit uh i think it's one of the wong jing pseudonyms of not a man so why isn't clarence ford giving putting his um name on clarence directs a lot of movies that he doesn't put his name on okay. for some reason so new option was like the latest revival which uh, of the... pretty much is a remake of the first option okay the final option but I think actually you have to divide up the, the alter egos of Gordon into two. And I think the outer person, the person Gordon would love to look like, is Michael, is Michael Wong. But I think the person who reflects on screen, not in real Chang? life. No, Anthony Wong. Wong mm. Chao If you look at Beast Cops, it's really evident. Because the, the, the problem that, oh, I shouldn't get too far into analyzing Gordon. But I mean, Anthony Wong's character in that movie is somebody who has very deep emotions and has problems expressing them which might reflect certain aspects of Gordon's character. But Michael is somebody who doesn't really have to worry about that because he looks that way. And I think that in, in Gordon's mind, he, he thinks this is the perfect blend. Now, hang on a second. This I do people. like when uh, Rick announces that he knows he's been caught up. Yeah. He's a really fine actor. I mean, uh, again, you know, I guess he's, he's limited by the fact there's only a relative number of roles. Look at Winston in the background there. Winston, the only he's... seal with earrings. Absolutely. Well, maybe he's kind of a performing seal. But the... Uh, Winston's and now the best American accent coming from Steve Nation here. Where's he from, really? Australia. Australia. Oh, he's, he's also turns there. up in Knock Off as one of the, the rogue CIA agents, alongside Kim Marie Penn. I should mention, uh, uh, just throw this out there before we get into the big action scene. You know, when we were doing the promotional campaign for Beast Cops, um, we had the poster, and we were trying to find, you know, it was tough to find those taglines, you know, from, for the poster, right? And uh, the two stars are Anthony Wong and Michael Wong. And Anthony Wong is, like, half Australian, and Michael Wong is half Dutch. So they're both, you know, half Chinese, half Westerner. And so I, th- I suggested Beast Cops, two Wongs make a white. There you go. There's my friend Roderick Lamb again going up on the, on the anchor. That's who, sorry? Uh, Roderick Lamb, who you worked with on Highbinders, another of the Gordon Chan crew. He was one of the... Of course, Roderick, yeah. He's one of the team. At the beginning of the boat, we have like an Interpol unit in on a boat out in the harbour, again on location for Highbinders, and he's briefly visible there. Actually, the latest cut of the film, less visible, but he shot a lot of stuff. It's always the, the frustration. You shoot more than you ah, end, my home. end up with. Ah, my home. Country Park. Tell us about Saikong Country Park. Uh, the French Riviera of Hong Kong. Actually, and it's funny, this is exactly where Highbinders opens as well. Same rock formations, same beach down there. But there's Winston. Winston stories. I mean... I mean, you've known Winston for years. I and mean, you were actually responsible... Probably yeah. for him getting into the movie industry. Actually, no. He met a guy in Greece. Hang on, who, that's a great commercial shot. It's, it's yeah. ripped off of The Rock, but it's that's a real... That's the opening shot of Highbinders as well. Yeah, but it's also a great SDU yeah. commercial shot. Yeah, you have to go with that. But anyway, yeah. So no, I think Winston got into the business. He met somebody in Greece who knew Kofi. 
the famous writer, actor, well, actor director, uh, who was making films in the Philippines for the last while. And uh, so he gave me a shot, and we were all friends. I mean, Mark Houghton and Winston and myself. And I came to Hong Kong. We did a film called Tiger Storm, and after that, we weren't friends. None of us are friends anymore. So it's uh, yeah, you don't want to get into a big, you know, kind of. Because I mean, but then Cypress Tiger is such an embarrassing role, in my opinion. I mean, he's he's the yeah. bull, the yeah. leopard skin clad bodyguard with right. two horns. I know. In his afro. I know. But I think it was fun to do, and I mean, he wanted to get a chance to do action on on screen. I mean, it's a shame in a way because it's it's hard working with people anyway. It's hard working with your friends. But I mean, you know, not to go into all the specifics, but he behaved so disgracefully when we did this film, Tiger Storm, that was find out as White Tiger. So we, we really couldn't be friends after that. I mean, I only worked with him a few times on yeah. on things, but he's very charming. He's just 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 Chinese have a saying, say Ji Fat Dat. Yeah. and this is him but years later uh, we were doing high binders and uh, we're in dublin and all the pictures were sent in by leo davis our casting guy and this is a picture of winston so i took a look at it and i was like oh you know i shouldn't let this old you know grudge stand in the way of putting him in high binders so gordon says um i said to gordon you know this guy can fight because we were thinking about using him and then um we wanted to look at his demo tape because everybody had done audition videos as well as sending their picture in and everybody else had sent videos and his had written on the back unavailable to shoot video filming in China so I was like I what uh, project it was well yeah obviously you couldn't be bothered to come from Reading to London so I mean I think was. that's the thing I mean if you're going to send a demo even if it's a bad demo at yeah. least you'll learn from it well see, Gordon didn't know he could do martial arts and I was like yeah yeah and we didn't have Cypress Tigers handy Thank so, God. so that was that. And then I just spoke to Gordon. And uh, I mean, so, Cypress Tigers and the Quest, he just comes yeah. across, unfortunately, more as just a big guy yeah. jumping around because they don't really give him a chance to show what he can do. Yeah, that's a shame because, I mean, you know, I'll tell you, uh, in, in, in the happier times, you couldn't ask for a more generous and charming person. It was just, I don't know, I think something, something was in the air in Tiger Storm and you were going to be, if, however evil you were going to be, you'd be your most evil. And that was it. But, um, you know, and, and the thing is, most of the people who were around at that time and not in the industry anymore. That Tiger, Eddie and Mark and Winston and those guys. Um, and so, you know, it just shows in... Tiger Storm has moments. It does. And it did become White Tiger, which led to the, bigger and better things. For... I, I would love somebody to bring out the DVD of White Tiger again with the original footage that they shot in Hong Kong. There you go. My man, Roderick, I'm sorry. He's a good friend. He's a yeah. good guy. Yeah, he is. No, very and... cool. Him and his, he has a brother who also works in the same team, and he was on the set with us uh, for... That's how I met him. Because Roderick uh, used to be an insurance agent. Yep. Uh, and part-time actor, and is now um, runs a gym for a company mm. which allows him to sp spend more time on his acting. Right, yeah. It's, Constantly complaining that he's getting smaller in, in physique size. Yeah. He's actually a really good actor. We, we He had a dialogue scene with Jackie, but it's cut now, uh, from again, from High Binders. I have probably people fed up with me referencing High Binders, but it's It's like, not called High know, Binders anymore. It's, it's called the, the Medallion. Medallion. Yeah, it's the VH, VH, VH1 it's, it's, behind the music with Tom Jones. It's the Saturday Night Fever version of High Binders. What were you saying? That the, the sequel to this should be called what? SDU2, Electric Boogaloo. See, I think every film, every sequel to every film should be called, like Twins, Twins Effect 2 should be Twins Effect 2 is Electric Episode Boogaloo. Episode 2, Electric Boogaloo. What was the original film that was called Electric Boogaloo? Uh, Breakdance... Or Breaking in America, which the first film of which starred Shabadoo Shrimp. No, Shabadoo and Boogaloo. Somebody called Shabadoo Bo and Boogaloo Shrimp. Shrimp. And a certain Jean-Claude Van Damme turning up on Muscle Beach and a, oh, and a young Aaron one. Norris in the yeah. first film as well. Should mention another thing about the movie, uh, particularly as we're coming into the sequence where it's used a very good effect, the sound. The actual, this was one of the first films where the sound, because traditionally Hong Kong films had not been, had not excelled in terms of the, the sound design. 
I mean, you'd had the same kadang kadang kadang, you know, used in all the sword play and martial arts movies for many years. And what these guys did, uh, what Media Asia did, was actually go to a company called Sound Firm in Australia, in Melbourne, who remixed all the sound of the gunfights and the explosions and whatever to give it like another well, texture. It's like John Moore always said that you have to give each character a distinctive sound yeah. for their gun so you can totally. identify. Yeah. Although I don't think many people can, but he always claims it so you can identify a character by their gun. By the sound of their gun. I think subliminally, audiences pick up a lot of information that they themselves are not aware of. And uh, with lighting, it's like a lot of the times, bad lighting and bad sound. You only kind of notice lighting and sound when, when they're, they're bad. Right. Otherwise, they're not. Sound firm is funny because uh, Roger Savage, who uh, who works, runs the place, is a mate now. And uh, they did Hero recently. And if you look at the DVD of Hero, there's all this footage of the Chinese sound guy shooting all of this stuff out in the jungles and woods of... Uh, China and doing the sword through the water and all of this. And in fact, all of that was was recorded up at uh, Rogers Farm in Australia. But uh, I guess it made it look better from a, a Zhang Yimou point of view if, the, if it was the implication was that they had actually done all the sound work in, in China. But actually all of the sound on Hero was done in Australia. But I always think it's design. funny when people happen to record like the ambient sound. Yeah. I mean, if you watch the 24-hour party people movie, uh-huh. there's a great moment where they go and meet a uh, this producer played by Andy Serkis from Lord of the Rings. Right. And he's just standing in a field and they're like, what are you recording? And he's like, nothing. Right. You know, and it's just ambient sound. That... Well, I think, you know, when, when you look at films, sometimes even silence, like it's about Alien, you know, silence does have its own kind of texture and there's ways that they use sound now. It's getting so... People's home systems are so sophisticated that sound is a really a big issue. I remember Media Asia, actually, we got into a lot of trouble because we redid the sound on some of the early DVDs, like A Better Tomorrow. Yeah, you got rid of the and music, man. That's the best. That was, that? That that was, was right. And what do they start calling it? Media Evil. That's right. Yeah, because it's nobody like knew. Mirror yeah. Axe. Yeah, yeah. Now, now they've got the big thing with Mirror What's your take on that? My take is, okay, like I said earlier, most Hong Kong films were shot without any sound. So right. dubbing them into any language doesn't really harm them if yeah. it gets the films to a bigger audience great miramax will release them and yes they might trim them but mm. you know what they also pushed iron monkey onto the charts yeah they they were the guys who released legend of the drunken master drunken master 2 a lot of movies that would otherwise never have got seen and yes i'm a big fanboy myself but you've got to give it a break it is a case of otherwise the only people who are ever going to make any money out of it are the pirates yeah and it's now good to see these movies getting a proper release right I feel the same, I and mean, I think if you just spend a lot of money, it's like if I buy you a house for millions and millions of dollars and I paint it green, I've paid for the privilege of painting it green. I mean, it's like a different thing, but this is an issue that will be going back and forward. A couple of points that we should, uh, I want to mention. Um, this film actually, of the odd things about uh, First Option, uh, it was nominated for the Golden St. George at the Moscow International okay, Film now, Festival. Okay, now what is the Golden St. George? Well, I guess it's an award they give out in Moscow, but it was great that it, yeah, be, but for that what? it be nominated. <laughs> I guess it, it was for Best Film. It was oh, okay. for, for the, they have like an award for but then the Best Movie. Moscow's interesting. I mean, Drive was the biggest movie in Russia in about eight or nine years. And it got, what, a theatrical release? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Because, I mean, Drive is a movie where it's amazing to me that, that Steve Wang is not a well-known mainstream Steve Hollywood Wang is director a God. by now because he's such, so talented. And um, it's just... just boggles the mind but I guess sometimes there are people who for some reason well it's reason good to finally see Mark, Mark Dacascos getting the, the work and the respect he deserves yeah. I mean it was good to see Brotherhood of the Wolf pushing him up and then okay From the Cradle to the Grave wasn't much it was a it was a cheesy mm-hmm. B movie but it, it got him the exposure and he'll, he'll next be seen in Les Aventures with right. Vincent Castle Which Michael is all... Rooker Maggie Jung and Philip Kwok Kwok Choi doing the action Ariton 
directed by Christoph Gens. What was the name of the original cartoon series? Um, Bob Moran. Yeah. Thank you. My son likes to watch that show. That's the only reason I know. I came back one day from uh, from work and expectedly to watch it. He's watching this show on TV. And I'm like, what's this? And he's Bob Moran. Well, then he said, Bob Moran. And now I know. It was, and then later I met uh, Christoph, who's directing it, who also directed Christoph Gans, who also directed Brother of the Wolf. And he said, I'm doing this next one is Bob Moran. And I said, ah, I know that. I've seen the cartoon. And I acted like a big know-all. But actually it was only because of my five-year-old had shown me there was a really cool cartoon uh, from show. the mouth of babes. Yes, babes. Yes, you can say that again. Babes and Bay. The uh, and this is all out in the country park. Yep. And so these guys are really just doing with uh, blanks what most weekend warriors are doing with which the can actually be guns. very disconcerting because you're going to at night as well. I mean, yeah. you used to have it in Kowloon Jai Park. I'd be out right. jogging and you'd hear noises in the bushes and there'd be guys running around in camouflage. <laughs> they were yeah, shooting. They were shooting hunting BB you, guns. Mike. <laughs> yes, because I kill the big dog with my sharp teeth. The beast must die. Yeah. Have you ever have you ever played any pellet games? Oh yeah. Every pe- couple of months. It's great never fun. Had. Are they fun? Yeah. Okay. We'll have, we'll have to arrange. Oh, now, real soon. When's hell gonna freeze over? When are you? Um, it's gone now. You're a pretty big target, though. Yeah, that's the problem. So I normally get shot by my own side. Friendly you, fire normally. <laughs> do you camouflage yourself? Yes, I, I pretend to be a tree. Talk about the mountain coming to Mohammed. So I mean, you pretend to be a tree. <laughs> that actually, there's a movie in the making there. I think. I want to be a tree. There's a gunplay here in the in Lord of the Rings territory. But you know, this will become probably as a surprise to people who only know Hong Kong as the urban jungle that you have miles and miles of this wonderful countryside. You know. Well, that's a, why I fled. I'd had enough of the city, and it's. Yeah. I'm like half an hour to 45 minutes maximum from the middle of the city, but yeah. to so many people, even you sometimes, you complain totally. it's too far away. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, but I mean, I, I can totally see, you know, where you are. That lifestyle is a different pace, and it's great. I mean, it's out there. You're, honey, how far long does it take you to get from Saigon to your your place to here, to this uh, country park? Ten Very minutes. Very quick, ten minutes. And then how long from there to town? Uh, Half an hour to 45 minutes, depending on traffic. Yeah, still, you know. Horses for courses. Wake up every day, fresh air. Yeah, but Bruce, they got the money. They got their money's worth out of Bruce on here for the squibs and all now, the Bruce other Lord stuff. Now Bruce Law is just for guns and SDU and cars. He's probably the best in Asia. Uh, he is the man. I mean, it's a pity that very few people have seen the movie he directed, Extreme Crisis. Yeah, which was just awesome. I mean, any movie where you blow up six six Rolls Royces outside the the Hong Kong Shangri La Hotel. And, Tell them the story about that. Um, now trying to get permission to film from the police, anything yeah. involving guns or explosions is, shall we say, impossible. Very tricky. So um, for the whole time when they were filming this movie, Bruce Law had kept telling me, we're going to film this big explosion scene, and I'll yeah. call you so you can come on the set. Yeah. And then about 2 o'clock in the morning one day, I get a phone call from him saying, we're going to be shooting the scene in one hour. Yeah. If you want to come, come. So I go down there, and we're outside the island Shangri-La Hotel. Right. Two Rolls Royces, four vans. Ba-boom. They explode. They all flip through the air. Yeah. Bruce Law gets in the car and says, see you later. Drives away. His crew start cleaning up. And uh, police come. There's a lawyer waiting. Hi, yeah. I'm Mr. Law's representative. You know, Mr. Law will come to the police station tomorrow morning, etc. I heard it slightly differently. Uh, I there heard... are rumors that he hired someone he to He hired pretend... actors to play to be the director. And... That, I'm not sure, because I asked him. That's he... what he told me. I don't know. It's he, that They had direct, people there to pretend to be the director and the producer and the cameraman. And they were arrested. And they got downtown and said, oh, what are you, what were you doing blowing up trucks outside the Mandarin? But then, I mean, everyone's been arrested. I mean, Jackie got arrested when I'm yeah. making Crime Story when they blew up the old walled city. Right. I mean, it's... It's a it's a catch twenty two. It's very difficult, but Bruce is a, a really great at doing this kind of action. Why didn't Extreme Crisis find a bigger audience? I think timing and cast wise. I mean, it came out. Julian Chang, Jiang Jilam had 
kind of been becoming an action hero, but yeah. never really caught never on. Never really peaked. And then uh, people were at that it's time Shukei. didn't want to see Shukei being an actress. And who is the Japanese guy? Uh, Ken Sawada. Who's living death. I mean, he really can't carry a film. He's a good guy, though. And unfortunately for timing in Japan, talking about the Hochi Mochi Mochi cult and uh, at the exact same time that that cult started yeah. its activities see, again I would in Japan. have thought that would have made the film more No, because in Japan they wouldn't release it because they were afraid the cult would strike at the cinemas. Oh, I get you. Yeah. And considering most of the finances came from Japan, it was uh, yeah. somewhat frustrating. But a great role for Akira Koyama and Teresa Lee in that movie. Do you know who's in that movie? I think it's the grandson of Toshiro Mifune is also in the film in a supporting role. Several members of the Mifune, Mifune family. What? I've just and finished young, young Jimmy's in there as well. Jimmy Hung, Samo's, Samo's son, who's a right. singer in the band Tension in Taiwan. That's right. Very good, actually. I'm not a big fan of Kanto Pop or Mando Pop. Now we get my favorite moment. Winston's, Winston's getting blown away, I think. Coming up shortly. Everybody dies. And uh, actually, there's... Given the fact that there's so much uh, ammunition expended in this finale, in terms of blood and guts, there's really not much to show for it. And then there's one squib shot that really is, you know, has a lot of blood. The head one out. and a few others. But yeah, but by and large, it's not. It's not the opening of um, Saving Private Ryan. But I, I think that's talk about big target. I mean, <laughs> Winston's the guy that they were going to aim for. Are they going to aim for anybody? I like so, Steve Nation's death scene. Though. I mean, it's a yeah. great one of those casualties of war when yeah. you're having a conversation and suddenly yeah, boom. And Winston actually shows. He has got ability as an actor. I mean, no, his reactions here yeah. no, prove no. there is more well, to him than you'd, you'd expect. All my problems with him as a person, as an actor and as an martial artist, he's great. I mean, uh, he was. that's why we brought him in to work on uh, Tiger Storm many moons ago. So uh, it's like the the bad guys getting their comeuppance here. SEAL team. But, and it's, it's, kind of, it's kind of updating the whole thing in Bruce Lee's day of like, you know, we're not the sick man, right? As in, exactly, this is the US yes. Navy SEALs and they're getting taken down by the customs unit and the SDU. Right. But it's then actually, considering how much training the SDU, et cetera, receive, yeah. and there's not actually that much they actually... They don't to do. To, but I mean, you watch Hong Kong movies and... There's yeah. so many gunfights and things on the street, but in reality, it's quite a wow. a rare occurrence. Yeah. Although I mean, there was that great one a couple of months ago where the kidnappers got caught in traffic outside Chim Sai <laughs> Police Station. That's one of the things that like, your getaway <laughs> is kind of prohibited by. Uh, I mean, that I thought was less here. The police coming out of Chim Sai Police Station notice there's the car in the traffic jam outside. Well, way before '97, I remember there was a there was a scenario when uh, some guys robbed a jewelry store and there was a big long car chase and they were using Kalashnikovs and stuff. And they actually were they were finally caught. They were trying to swim back to China, which I thought was some a crime that you don't. But then I mean that's that's something Kong. from Hong Kong. I mean the Long Arm and the Law movies yeah. were based on the true stories when there were former Red Guards coming to Hong Kong on their mm. two-way visas, yeah. doing robberies and then going back to China. Sure. But it is, in, in general, contrary to what you see in all of these uh, pictures, including bye this bye, one. Winston. Adios, Winston. See you next time. He won't be in first option three. <laughs> <laughs> what are they up to now? they got the new option. Uh, there's the new option series, which is the first one was actually a movie. And Sean then Liu. Sean Liu F4 Michael or something. Wong, I know, some Taiwanese, some Taiwanese boy singers. band. And, no, they're not, I think they're a Hong Kong a, boy band or something. There was a guy with a shaved head. Yeah. I met him one time. Um, they're doing. It was weird. The first one was actually a movie movie, and then the continuing ones have been TV movies. Yeah. So I think it was just the first one, the pilot, was the one that they put all the money into. Yeah. So uh, they're doing a, a bunch of TV, shooting on film or shooting on um, TV? I only ever saw the first one, and that was right. such a hard experience. I didn't know there were any others. I saw, I, I didn't see the first one. I saw the posters out for the new option that Gordon was producing, but I didn't really know, you know, and it looked really like a retread of um, what they'd already done with the uh, final option. Now, see, this is 
you know, the big showdown, as yeah. always, you know, I've and got an M16. Poster, uh, of course. Yeah, of I've got an M16. Anyway. You've got a, a, got a, a Glock or a Beretta, and yeah. you haven't have another one tucked in the back of your trousers. The great thing about, uh, he looks like a real actor, you know. Apart from this, after he's been shot, that's the only time I think his acting's not up to par. This following bit when he gets shot. Right. That's when he moves into the ham territory, I feel. Right. Up until now, he's been great, but then yeah. he just seems to have lost it on this section. Maybe they told him to overact or to really yeah. push it, but act like you've been shot. Yeah, yeah. I know it's a crazy thing. And I, the other thing I thought which was missing. This um, is the I like because there's yeah. no look how cool I am. I've just shot the bad guy. It's right. real. She's got that startled look on her face that right. she actually had to. She shoot did a great someone. job in the whole film. I think Gigi Lone really underrated as an actress. Um, Black Hawk helicopters. Yeah. And I, I didn't know whether we really got the emotional payoff ever from Michael that his friend, has, or best, so-called best friend, has turned on. No, but you do get a Star Wars-inspired line coming up. I mean, what is with that? You're a big Star Wars expert. Well, Michael's a big Star Wars fan too, huh? I found it out on Knock Off. Um, myself and Jeff Wolf yeah. were hanging out, and uh, just every other word we come out, came out with with a stupid Star Wars reference Okay. until finally Michael Wong started joining in. He's a big Bruce fan. He's a big Star Wars fan. And I mean, the problem is delivering this line of dialogue. I don't think anyone yeah. could deliver it with a straight face properly. I think it was just—he just comes in at the. Uh, I mean, maybe seemed like a good idea on the on the on the. I uh, think he needed a deeper voice, a Sean Connery voice or something to do. I think it, if he yeah. would have if he would have done Yoda, it would have been okay. Ah, the voice. We're going to have one of these abrupt endings, so we've got to be ready for it. There's a freeze frame coming up. How many Hong Kong movies have ended on a freeze frame? All the TV shows. I guess it's something from TV because every TV episode ends with the big freeze frame at the end. It's it's kind of like Supercop, Police Story 3, that just kind of like stops. You're expecting there to be more of a payoff, but it just kind of... We started doing that, but they called it the, the dessert. It's like the end sequence, you know, like Gen X had it, and boom, they're going to freeze. I and think there we go. my favorite dessert, though, is if you watch Prince of the Sun, because yeah. they do a freeze frame, and, and then everyone's frozen, thing, and then they go back to normal speed for a minute, and everyone just drops to, like, what the hell am I doing? Oh, really? And then they freeze again, so you have a moment where everyone's caught in the moment, and well, then it goes back to... What was it? Uh, don't give a damn. No, no. Uh, no, they don't give a damn. They have the whole thing where Samo just leaves the camera running yeah. after the last shot. Which was actually shot... a two days before the last day of filming. Sorry to tell you that. Oh, well, never mind. But it's you, those of you who don't know that will still enjoy it when you see the film. But the, Don't give a damn. Now, that's a movie that I'd love to do a DVD commentary for. Yeah. Probably with Robert Samuels to try and explain certain Has it been scenes. released anywhere? No. So Unfortunately there's not. the list of the... I mean, what was it? There was a famous uh, thing that Jerry Seinfeld said. They shouldn't be called the credits. They should be called the blames. Like at the end of a film, that they didn't call it the credit, called it the blames. It was him! But this actually... Watching the movie again, there's a lot to like about first option. First option, I mean, as opposed to... I keep thinking the final, final option came first, then the first option. That's where it gets confusing. First option, a movie uh, really within that subgenre of the... Uh, Pandora Doi, The SDU films really... Um, as good as it was going to get for that particular genre, and a good accomplishment for Gordon Chan and the rest of the team. Mike, thanks for coming in. No Literally couldn't have done it without you. Thank you very much. And um, and we'll uh, hand you over to Dave Lee Travis. Absolutely. <laughs> we'll double act again on some other future feature. Thank you and goodbye. Sayonara. Joy again. Bye-bye.